Another edition of Reed's Ranch, Wednesday, October 13th. Seth Hughes joins me down in Alabama. What's up, Seth? Not much, John. Happy to hear you. Happy to be here. Let's get a chili check. Hot. 80. 85. Hearing your voice just made it get warmer, buddy. Hearing you ask me just made it get warmer. 85. It's hot. I think everyone's with you, which is kind of amazing. I did not think we would be here, yet here we are. It's absolutely unbelievable. And, like, I've been so just, like, I've enjoyed the last two weeks so much, and I've been so happy about the fact that we get to be excited for a game, and I've just been excited for the game, that I haven't, like, just stopped to think about how absurd it is we are where we're at. But here we are, and we ought to enjoy it. I did not think we would get here, but here we are. It's been two great weeks of Tennessee football. You cannot ask for much better than the two weeks we just got of Tennessee football. Just domination from start to finish at Missouri. A dominant first half at South Carolina. You didn't even need anything in the second half. And now here you're set. To play a top 15 team at night. Yeah, could it be ESPN or ESPN2? Yeah, sure, it could be. SEC Network is good enough, though. Everyone has SEC Network these days. Under the lights. You know what? Checker Nealon's going to look great. People are excited. We were worried that it was going to be a noon game for the tailgate. It's not. It's at night. So the Rebel reunion is on play. Uh, you know, uh, it, it's in place. It's on the schedule. We'll break bread. Many of you will then spill into the game. And hopefully we get to watch a big win. But it's all about the fellowship. And we've gotten to do some really good fellowship in the last three weeks. Yep. Yep. You know, I, I, you know, I mean, I said last week that these two weeks, they might be the most fun we get to have as Tennessee football fans for a long time. So you might as well enjoy them. And I have enjoyed them. Uh, the game was awesome last Saturday. The Discord has been great. There is nothing to... You know, you said all summer long, all offseason long, you said over and over and over, you know, the one thing that, like, Heupel has to do is he has to have good quarterback plays. Like, you know, he just can't afford to not have good quarterback play. And, you know, you were right, and he's gotten better than good quarterback play. He's gotten great quarterback play, and it's just like... Man, everything has, you know, Hennon Hooker has just like totally changed how we feel. Um, it's awesome to have good quarterback play. It's really, really awesome to have good quarterback play. We have a really good running back. And we've got a good wide receiving core. And so let's see what happens Saturday night. I still don't know what the fuck he was doing with Joe Milton. Still don't understand how he thought that was going to work in games. But we're past that. We have made it to Hendon Hooker. He has developed nicely over the course of the season. They have found st things that make him comfortable. Whether or not they are putting new things into the playbook, like the touchdown, I believe it was the second touchdown we had on Saturday, where you know you fake a power to the right, almost a play action for the quarterback, and then he sets up and just throws a beautiful bomb right down you know, the middle of the field for an easy touchdown. I don't know if that's something they put in just for Hooker, if they did that at UCF or what. 
but they're playing to his strengths. We didn't have those plays against Pittsburgh when he came in. We had the, oh, shit, let's just hand the ball off and throw it out quick and see if our receivers can make a play. We didn't have those plays, really, against Florida. You did have the one, like, fake wide receiver screen that ended up in the busted coverage touchdown. But outside of that, our plays weren't – they didn't look like they were developed for hidden hooker. And now you're starting to see some more things. You're starting to see some more comfortability, and the offense has taken off. Every week, Hinton Hooker's gotten better. Every week, the team has gotten better. Um, when was the last time Tennessee had a touchdown that was as beautifully designed and executed as that touchdown pass that Peyton was last Saturday? I mean, everything about it was just gorgeous. The only thing that comes to mind is like the trick play we ran at Texas A&M. Where we, you know, had the basically the Philly special that ended up in the Super Bowl the next year, where he ends up throwing back yeah. to Dobbs. Either that or the throwback to Dobbs in the swamp. Like there, there, there aren't very many. That was perfect. There's, there's nothing under Pruitt. Yeah, nothing under Pruitt. Maybe the maybe the fourth and fourth and goal play action to Dominic Wood Anderson to start the West Virginia game. <laughs> I, everything about that play was. Gorgeous. It, it was executed exactly as it was drawn up. Um, the intermediate passing game has gotten better. It's not just been, um, you know, we talked about at the beginning of the season, everything seemed as if it was a deep ball or if it was a horizontal pass at the line of scrimmage. The intermediate passing game has, has evolved and has gotten a lot better. Um, the intermediate passing game is really good, and some of it is still, he's not, th- you know, some of it is still horizontal passing, you know, but a lot of it's not. A lot of it's, you know, comeback routes or whatever. I mean, he, ne- he nearly got Tillman killed on that one that one intermediate pass, but, I mean, he's like. One big said made the catch on, though? Of course he did, because he's big said Tillman. He's been money. Said Tillman is so good, and we were ahead of the curb. Said Tillman is good. I mean, uh. Throws that were between 0 and 10 yards. Hooker was 8 for 8. Seems good. He was 9 for 9 for 99 yards and 2 touchdowns when facing a blitz Saturday. Seems good. And he was 2 of 2 for balls that traveled more than 20 yards in the air. So, the intermediate passing game, to me, has really evolved. It's not like... I mean, it's... I think that it's probably never going to be like what I think of as a traditional intermediate passing game. But the... Our passing is definitely not just go routes and horizontal passes on the line of scrimmage. Um, but having a good quarterback changed everything. And Hooker's been really, really good. I mean, he's been way better than anybody could have ever in a million years thought. At first, I liked him over Milton just because, like, Hooker could make easy throws. I thought his tape at Virginia Tech was better than Michigan, too. I thought he was a better runner as well. And now, you know, I mean, like, he's making, like, he's put some throws on the damn dot that were not easy throws. Uh, the, the touchdown pass to Hyatt was a great throw. It was an even better catch. That was great coverage by that South Carolina defender. It's got to be demoralizing, too, when you should have a stop and then. Because it was perfect coverage. And Hyatt makes a Hyatt makes a play. Nice to see him show up. If we can get him going, this offense can get even better. Velas Jones continues to 
do more and more. Sell that merch, Velas. A.K.A. is it Nighthawk? Is that what he's going by now? Yeah, I think so. Sell that merch, Nighthawk. It, it seems crazy that Velas Jones played for UT for a year and nobody thought, hey, we might need to get this guy the ball in more than just kickoffs. Well, he played a year in like two games because he was hawking merch to try to say, give me the ball more. And all of a sudden, Tennessee's like, okay, let's give this guy the ball more. So he's really worked out well in the slot. That play where we hiked it to Fant, and then he handed it to Hooker, who then handed it to Velas Jones, that play was really sweet too. Fant then like just decked some dude on the block, on a block around the corner. I think Velas Jones got like 15 yards on it. Uh, there were some really nicely designed plays. Um, I mean, we did exactly what we were supposed to do against South Carolina. Is there really like that much to say about it? There's not. Tennessee's offense... You know, the biggest compliment you can give an offense is that whenever whenever they are on the field, you think they're going to score a touchdown right now. And I understand that the resistance from Missouri was non-existent. I do think South Carolina had some better defensive players, much better defensive players than Missouri did. I think what you did to them in the first half was very impressive. South Carolina had some dudes on the defensive line. I don't care what anybody yeah. says. Yeah, they got a first-round pick, and, you know, they haven't been getting pushed around by everyone, especially in the first half. Like, Georgia wore them down. But, you know, they've been pretty good. I mean, they, they – was it 16-10 to 10 against Kentucky? Like, I mean, that was a you – know, they, they, we made them look very pedestrian. And who knows, maybe it's a different game if they score on the goal line to make it 14-7 to 7 instead of throwing one of the worst interceptions you'll ever see. Like, maybe they hang in a little bit better, and who knows. But we took their soul, and we beat their ass. And the good news is you don't play Georgia this week. You don't play Alabama this week. You play Ole Miss, who also has a very, very shitty defense. Maybe, you know, the second or third shittiest defense in the SEC. So, the offensive explosion should continue. I, I, I really am impressed with how well we run the ball on teams that, you know, we, we have a lot more rushing yards against Florida than I would ever guess, and we have a lot more rushing yards. I mean, we had a lot of rushing yards Saturday. And, I mean, this is with, you know, we're starting not the guy we want to be starting at center, and the guy that we're starting at center, we're not starting him where we want to be starting him at guard. And we had, like, two, what, 250 rushing yards? You know, I mean, Evans is averaging, like, isn't Evans averaging, like, almost seven yards carry? I mean, I don't know how he wouldn't with, you know, a couple of the big long runs he's had. But AJ brings up a good point that all this, you know, we're saying all this, like, the defense, it is shocking how good they have been. It, it is shocking how good they have been. You know, South Carolina doesn't have much on offense or whatever, but, like, Missouri's not problem isn't offense. Missouri's problem is not offense. And, you know, Basiliak or whatever threw four touchdowns and, like, 300 yards against Kentucky – and, you know, he didn't do anything against us. You know, but the first half he didn't do anything. And South Carolina's offense, they did that. They did stuff on that one drive. And, you know, we can't help the fact they called the dumbest halfback pass in human history. But they called it and we intercepted it. Like, I'm, the defense being as good as it is is shocking. It, it is shocking that, like, Jeremy Banks is getting better at linebacker every week, and, like, you can tell. And, like, he actually looks decent when he shoots the gap now. Going to be a big test, obviously, on Saturday for the defense. 
do we trust our defense more than their defense? I think, you know, at least most Tennessee fans would say yes. I would say, you you know, most people would think that Ole Miss's offense a little bit better than Tennessee's offense right now. You know, Corral still gets mm-hmm. more credit than Hooker. But I do think, you know, Tennessee's defense might be better equipped than, you know, Ole Miss, who's out here trying to run this 3-2-6 and just seems to really be searching for any type of answer. So, it, you know, I, like, Arkansas lost because, what, they turned the ball over twice, right? That's basically why Arkansas lost. You know, if Arkansas doesn't turn the ball over twice, do they win? Yeah, because Ole Miss couldn't stop anything. They would have scored at least on one of those drives. Yeah, so... I trust Tennessee's defense a lot more than I trust Ole Miss's defense. Tennessee's defense is nothing fancy. That's why it's been successful. Like, they've just simplified it, and, you know, they've kept Beasley and Banks at the same position for six months when they were swapping positions every, you know, every couple months before, and we have a really good defensive line coach, and they, like, I mean, they they play really solid football. We don't miss a lot of tackles. Um... I, I I trust Tennessee's defense a lot more than I trust Ole Miss's defense, simply because like of the defensive line. I mean, Ole Miss's front seven is so bad they had to they had to start playing the three two six. I mean, they obviously don't have a Matthew Butler, or you know, I mean guys like that on the interior. So, yeah, I trust Tennessee's defense a lot more than I trust Ole Miss's. I still think we'll get shredded like crazy. I think the game will last like five hours. game is going to last five hours. Get ready for that. But if you win, it won't really matter. If you win, it won't really matter, and you'll probably need 50 points to win. But I think our defense is better. And Saturday night, it you know, that's it needs to be better than Ole Miss. It doesn't have to be great. It, it doesn't have to be great. It just needs to be better than Ole Miss. I'm curious to see how the crowd is going to affect like Ole Miss's offense because do you think it's easier or harder when you're trying to run fast paced because obviously you have like pretty easy hand signals or you're calling two plays in the huddle or whatever you're doing like you're getting up fast you're not making pre-snap reads for the most part if you're snapping within you know five or ten seconds on the line so yeah I mean I think it will I think that like if the crowd is what I think it is going to be, if, if it is what I think it'll be, then, I mean, I, it, it'll be, like, harder for sure. I mean, if you're not, like, making a lot of pre-snap reads and stuff, like, it's not going to be as big a deal or whatever. But the guy hasn't thrown an interception all year. I mean, if he can if he can keep a clean sheet through Saturday night when it's as rowdy and raucous as it's going to be, and we have the ball hawk, Jalen McCullough, playing center field, then you just tip your hat to him. Yeah, I guess I meant with the crowd question. Like, it seems like it's going to be tougher for the crowd to keep up energy for five hours and 100 plays. Oh, yeah, I think it'll be impossible because I think that, like, the crowd at the beginning of the game, the crowd is going to get up over and over and over on these third downs or whatever, on these fourth downs, and, like, they're just going to get worn down because, like, every fourth down, Ole Miss is going to go for it. It's like, well, how much can you possibly get up? Yeah. Like, by the time, by, by, by the tenth fourth down of the game, the you know, we're all going to be exhausted. It's going to be such a long day. And just, you know, when it, when they get stopped on second and eight and make it third and three, and then they're immediately, immediately up to the line, like, can the de- can the crowd get up in time to make a difference? That's kind of why I'm, I'm very interested to see how the noise affects a, you know, a good, fast-paced, aggressive offense like Ole Miss. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think it's going to be. And, like, the other thing is that, 
like the Tennessee fans have never been like this. We're not a Big Twelve school, okay? Like this would be old hat for like Oklahoma State, but this is like our first time. You know, I mean, the pit game was child's play compared to these two offenses offenses that are going to go out there Saturday night. Like we've never watched a game like this in Neyland Stadium. This is like this is uncharted territory. We've gone from Jim Chaney and Jeremy Pruitt to Josh Heupel. We're like what second for like quickest snap. Like in Ole Miss one and we're two in the SEC. I know we, maybe in the I know nation. We were one. You know, three weeks ago, I think at the on the game this time, uh, I believe Mike Gullick Jr. said we're down to third. So we're somewhere in the top five or six, I would say. I don't know if we – I'd imagine in the second half we went a lot slower since we were trying to, you know, milk some clock. Yeah, and, I, you know, and I would think we're getting – we've gotten a lot faster since Pitt, you know, I mean, just because practice and repetition and, like – Yeah, he was the starting quarterback for, you know, two or three weeks in a row versus at Pitt whenever you are – you know, either having Joe Milton or a, a, a brand new Hinton Hooker. Yeah, and Pitt didn't play like that. So, I mean, like, Neyland Stadium has never seen a game like this. Like, the fans have no idea what to expect. Like, I mean, you know, they, they have no idea what's in store. I mean, we've never watched a game in Neyland Stadium like this. This is not Big 12. This is not Baylor versus Oklahoma State or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be really hard to get the – for the, I mean, it's going to be a long-ass night, but the only thing that matters is that you win. It's the only thing that matters. But it will be, it'll be a good test for our defense. I'm excited to see our defense because I've been really impressed with our defense, and Tim Banks has done a really good job. And so let's see what they have Saturday night. A gift and a curse of success. Three weeks ago, it would have just been score some points, have some fun against Ole Miss, keep it close, don't get left in the dust. And now it is, you know, just win on Saturday. Yep. And I'm, I'm not saying people will be distraught or out on hypo if they lose a game. I'm not saying that by any means. But, like, you're going to have some real heartbreak if you don't win this game on Saturday. Yeah, you just don't know how many chances you're going to get like this if you're Josh Heupel. This looks like a quality win, and it might not be. We don't even know if Ole Miss is actually any good. Or, you know, just how good they are. It's a, it's a chance to get a scalp of the number 13 team in the country who knows that they're actually the number 13 team in the country? It doesn't matter that they've only really beaten Arkansas by one point, Louisville, and Tulane. doesn't really matter because Tennessee has a chance to get them when everyone thinks they're really good. When we're, you know, a couple weeks removed from people calling them the second or third best team, or the third best team, I guess, in the SEC. And Tennessee has a chance at home against them. Yeah, I mean, they looked unbeatable after the Louisville game. Well, it turns out Louisville just sucks and... You know, I mean, Tennessee's only a two-and-a-half-point underdog. I mean, like if you had told us after that first week that Tennessee was only a two-and-a-half-point underdog going into the Ole Miss game, you would think, okay, Ole Miss has really sucked this season. Like, Matt Corral has gotten injured. It would not have been Tennessee's – it would not have been because Tennessee's playing really, really good football right now. And usually, like, if a West team is coming in here, you know, highly ranked – Chances are, especially in the Josh Heupel era, they're going to have much more talent than you. That's not the case for Ole Miss. Like, if you look at the star rating or whatever, like, uh, there's there's pretty equal dudes on both sides, I would say. And, like, that would be the one thing that, like, I would say, that would be one of the best things to me about Heupel so far is that, like, we always have had, like, way higher rated teams in terms of recruiting classes than like Missouri and South Carolina and these guys. But like if we beat them, 
it would be just like scratching and clawing and it would be ugly. And like, Hypo has just been like, well, you know, we're just going to get the guys, we're just going to get the ball to our really fast guys and let them go. You know, it's like Jalen Hyatt was rated really highly coming out of high school. Why don't we just, you know, get the ball to him or whatever? Like, we're just beating the hell out of teams that we ought to beat, even when we're not as good as we should be. And, you know, I, I do think this offense is built for that. It's just meant to overwhelm teams. And that's, you know, that's good. That's how it's supposed to be. Now, you know, we'll see how it fares up against Alabama and Georgia in a couple weeks, but it's not about that because I think they're going to score points again on Ole Miss. And I think they're going to have better players on offense than Ole Miss has on defense. And right now, I think everyone has confidence that Josh Heupel is going to call a good game, call good plays, get the ball into the right guy's hands, and we all think that Hinton Hooker, Captain Hook, RIP the pharmacist, we're now a Captain Hook podcast, Captain Hook is going to hit the open throws, which we kept screaming the first two and a half weeks, that's all you have to do, hit open throws. They're there, hit them. And he's hitting them at a really, really high rate. Yeah, if you can take one thing to the bank for this weekend's game, it's that Josh Heupel is going to have people in orange running wide-ass open. He has every single week. We will, he will, we will have guys running wide-ass open. Like, he's going to call some good-ass plays. He's going to call a good game, I feel like. I mean, I, if there's one thing that I feel confident with him, it's his play calling. More than anything else, it's the play calling. And hey, we're going to have some dudes running wide-ass open, especially against this defense. And I think we're going to pound it down their throats. I, I, like, I didn't read much about Heupel coming into the year, but like that, like I am stunned by how much we run the ball. I, I really don't think he did that much at UCF. Like, I, I do think he has either evaluated what's worked best on the team or if the maybe the quarterback position kind of forced the hand of here. I don't know. Maybe Tyon Evans is the best running back he's ever had. I don't know, but he does seem like he enjoys running the ball. We had two hundred. We had twenty three passes to forty nine rushes, and now I guess some of those rushes are sacks. I think Hooker was sacked five times, so like twenty three rushes, twenty three passes to forty four rushes. So roughly a, a two to one rush to pass clip. I mean, I, I would have never guessed that. Now keep in mind, you have a big lead when that happens as well, though. Yeah, and I, you know, I would have never thought that, like ever. I want to say, I mean, he can correct me in the Discord if I'm wrong, but Austin, a.k.a. the Power T-Tape, I think he said, you know, prior to the Bowling Green game, Heupel had only thrown, uh, run the ball twice. Oh, had only run the ball more than he passed it twice, like at his time at UCF. Again, I might be off on that. Maybe it was just in one season. I don't know. But, like, when we did it against Bowling Green, I want to say it was the third time in like, Heupel's career, at least okay. as a head coach. Again, maybe I completely butchered that, but I want to say that was a stat he gave me. Like I, I'm, I'm looking now, and like even against Florida, we ran the ball more than we passed it. And at Pittsburgh, it was dead even. It was 33 and 33. So we're definitely running the ball a lot better now than we were against Pitt. And some of that was we didn't have Evans that game, I'm sure. But I've been well, – we are pounding the damn rock. There's no doubt about that. I mean – and I think that we'll be able to pound the rock against Ole Miss with a 3-2-6 or whatever the hell they play. You would think so. 
guess I wonder if they'll change. I would think that they would have to go to a four-man front some. Especially since it became a talking point for Kiffin this week when people were asking about it. Yeah, like, does it not... Like, is he not sick to death of DJ Durkin? Like, this has to drive him crazy. He's an offensive guy, and I know he loves to score points and throw the ball around the yard or whatever, but, like, his dad is Monty Kiffin. You do forget about that sometimes, that his dad was, like, a defensive his dad, His dad is one of the most well-known defensive NFL defensive coordinators in my lifetime. Maybe one of the most well-known ever, the Tampa 2. When you think when you hear Tampa two, you think Monty Kiffin. This has does it not just like eat at him at night? You I would think it does, but I don't hear like people. Like it has to drive him crazy. It has to drive the son of Monty Kiffin crazy. What his defense is doing. I mean, he looked completely defeated when Sam Pittman held up two fingers on Saturday. Luckily for Lane, Sam Pittman ran the worst. I hate that call so much. Why on two why on second two point conversions do you roll to the right and like cut half the field off? I don't get it. If You called it. You called it. You called it like last week on there. If the flat is covered, it's not going to work. And then your quarterback's just gonna uh 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 and then you're gonna get stopped. I don't get it. Yeah, and it's, it's like as bad as that defense is bad as Ole Miss defense is, is you would want you would think you would want the entire field that you have to just let your wide receivers lose the defenders. Like crossing routes. You would and think stuff. so. But you called it. You said you hated that play, like on the podcast last week or two weeks ago. It was an absolutely atrocious play. I mean, it was horrible. But Kiffin looked, Kiffin looked completely defeated when Sam Pittman held two hands, two fingers. I will say I am glad that they won the game. It makes this game feel bigger. Even though I respect brother Sam Pittman, I am glad that Ole Miss is coming in here only with one loss because yeah. it helps put us over when we beat them. So I'm glad he made that shitty play call. Yeah, I mean, it, I just, I am stunned, you know. I mean, I've been thinking about, like, I even posted in the Discord, like, you know, what if Josh also collects the second scout this season? This gets DJ Durkin out of here? Who killed a kid, by the way? Like, it's kind of wild to me that he's even coordinating a defense in 2021. Oh, it's absurd. It's, it's absurd, but, like, it's possible, right? I mean, as bad as that defense is, like, as bad as they were last year. If Tennessee hangs up 50 or 60 and beats Ole Miss, I think you have. I think you will see Lane have to make a statement and fire somebody because it'll be a bad look for him to lose to Heupel again, who he has 0-2 against. I mean, they've, they gave up. I didn't watch much of the Alabama game, but they I gave up 42 there, which that's not bad against Alabama. Alabama took really. the foot I mean, off I, the I gas in, in the it, fourth. That's quarter. what I felt. I felt like Alabama took the gas. You know, you know, but they scored. They they gave up 51 to Arkansas. I mean, I just you know I wonder how bad is Louisville for only scoring 24 points against Ole Miss? Everyone's talking about Ole Miss's defense being better, and it turns out it wasn't. It just turns out that Louisville is terrible, and Scott Satterfield is on his way out. Let's face it, we all need insurance. Whether you are leasing a Lexus and riding around with some co-eds and find yourself in a ditch somewhere with a bent-up car, or you are starting to plan a family and want to take care of yourself with life insurance, you should do what I did. Give John Runyon, my dear friend, a call. John Runyon works at Farm Bureau in Maryville. He can take care of your home, auto, renters, and life insurance needs. Farm Bureau is a 10-time-in-a-row winner of the J.D. Power Award 
for the highest in customer satisfaction in the Southeast region. And they are the number one life insurance company in the state of Tennessee. I got my life insurance policy through him. Took care of me. He will take care of you. John is quick to respond and take care of his customers. He will not push anything on you that he does not think that you will need. His goal is to take care of his customers and protect them and their families. And you're in my family. If you're listening to this podcast, John will take care of you. Give him a call at 865-982-2559. That's 865-982-2559 for a quote and tell him I sent you. All right, let's get to some patron questions. Patreon.com slash Reed's Ranch. Let's shout out some new patrons, or at least one new patron. Shout out to new $2 patron, Stephen Harvey. Shout out to Brother Stephen. We love you and appreciate you. I feel like we should call him Steve Harvey, but I'm going to respect him and call him Stephen. I'm sure he, I'm sure he doesn't like having the name named after Steve Harvey, so we'll go with Stephen. And then Samuel Hyatt upped his pledge from $2. Shout out to Brother Samuel. Oh, sorry. You, can I go, or are you good? You go ahead, sorry, sorry. Chili, get it down a little bit, buddy. Cool that chili a little bit. <laughs> cool the Jets. Samuel Hyatt upped his pledge from $2 to $10. Shout out to Brother Samuel. We love you and appreciate you. I would also like to uh, give a shout out to Brother Brandon Price, if he is listening. He uh, he is a friend of Patrick Bobo, a patron, and he... he he did the equivalent of a cold call to my email address last week at work. He found me on my work email, and he sent me an email, and the title was VOLS ARE BACK in all caps, and he said, cold email, super creepy. If this is the wrong Seth Hughes, then this is really weird, and I apologize, but I've been listening to the bot- podcast, especially since the VOLS are officially back, and I've been laughing all the way through the entire episodes. Producer, please cut this out. We don't give free shout-outs just because he emailed you does not mean he gets a free shout-out. I do. He wanted to title the email. He wanted to to title the email Collecting Scalps, but he was afraid it would get us in trouble. How about you email him back and just send him the link to patreon.com slash Reed's Rant? He's been on vacation, bro. He he had an out-of-office when I responded. He had an out-of-office when I responded. But, you know, his best friend is Patrick Bobo. So, Patrick, who listens and is on the Discord can give him the the link to our... uh, for our Patreon. He can help feed my kids. I, I, I want you to reply with the link. I'll think about it. Got the tailgate in motion Saturday morning. I'll post the location on uh, the Patreon. I'll send out an email tonight because I know not everyone's in the Discord. So I want you guys to know where the whereabouts are. If you were there two years ago, it's going to hopefully be at the same spot. So, uh, yeah, stay posted for that. Um, all right, let's get to some questions. Brother Brett, for Seth, if you had to be a part of this team, what position would it be, and what would your stat line read in the Ole Miss game? Well, I guess if I was going to have to be on the team for the Ole Miss game, I'd probably want to be a wide receiver because they can't cover anybody. That being said, I probably wouldn't have too great of a stat line, but it seems like anybody can catch a pass against Ole Miss, so maybe I could get a catch or two. Two catches for 30 yards? There you go. That sounds good. I would be the Tennessee equivalent of the slot machine, a.k.a. Adam Humphreys. There's a new slot. I thought the slot machine was now, uh, I thought it was Hunter Renfro. It was Hunter, who was the one that played for the Titans? Well, I was Adam Humphreys. Did they call him the slot machine or they call, I thought they called Hunter Renfro that because he was in Vegas too. Did I make that up? Am I, am I, I might just be altering my reality. One time, Mike Keith, Mike Keith called Humphreys the slot machine on the radio. Okay, then maybe I'm, okay, I'd heard the nickname before. Hunter Renfro makes more sense. Hunter Renfro makes sense. Too. Maybe they called Adam Humphreys that as well. Pour one out for uh, John Gruden. Just thank God he wasn't in Tennessee when this happened. 
<laughs> that's the only surprising thing is that he wasn't at Tennessee when this happened. That's the only surprising thing is that he wasn't our coach. Brother Wadley, Josh Heupel's job approval in percentage terms if we win this game by at least a touchdown. Well, I don't give a shit if he wins the game by one point. My feelings on Josh Heupel will be pretty I mean, positive. It would be 100%. Yeah, it would be like he's been better than anybody could have ever predicted. It'll be 5-2 and two with a top 15 win at home. The biggest home win since, I mean, at least Kentucky in 2018. I mean, I, you can argue about whether or not this is bigger than that win. That win wasn't a sellout. There wasn't, you know, a week long of hype up to it, but it was, you know, a division rival and it was nice to put Kentucky in place, but it'd be at least the biggest win since then. He'd get a hundred percent approval rating because he just, again, we've, we've said it for a while. Just seems like a good dude, man. He's easy to root for. And this team is easy to root for. This team has a lot of likable people to it. One of our posters said that he is the Ted Lasso of college football and maybe he is. Maybe he is. He's a really good dude. And how do you not love Hendon Hooker? How do you not love Hendon Hooker? Captain Hook. Captain Hook. Brother Jake, confidence rating on a scale of 1 to 10 and on a scale of 1 to 40, that you could pick off Brian Maurer in an intramural game. That was sad, man. Did you see that video? I did. I did. I don't want to denigrate Brother Brian. We will always have that long touchdown to to Marquez Callaway against Georgia. Me and you watched that together. We did. We did. Um, and you looked and said, this is it. We've been waiting for this quarterback for five years, John. We finally got a quarterback. I love this guy. <laughs> so, I probably could. I've been waiting for years for a quarterback like Brian Maurer. Thank God we finally put him in. We also have that one drive he played against Mississippi State, or I guess it was more than one drive, but he got knocked out of the game. Um, you know, he was just a little too concussion prone, but it happens. It he happens did that terrible in- interception in the end zone, too. Yeah, he did do that. He did do that. Um, I mean, I could catch the pass if he threw it. I think I could bait him into throwing it. I don't know if my closing speed is what it used to be. I don't know. The throw he had in intramurals, though, the, the video that went viral, it looked awful. I don't know what the hell he was doing. Yeah, it's sad. That is sad, man. And then he was arguing with people in the Instagram comments. That's pitiful. Just let that guy live. We'll always have the throw against Georgia. When Seth Hughes looked at me and said, oh, my God, John, we finally have a quarterback. We've been waiting for this. And you gave me a hug, and you said, I got to go. I got to go call my dad. And you sat outside and talked to your dad about Brian Maurer for, you know, the whole commercial break. I did. Next question. If you get to choose the way you die, how are you going out from Brother Jacob? Um, on this podcast, talking to my brother John Reed, having fun with my patrons. Just a tornado comes in out of nowhere? Yeah, having fun with my family. Did Because s- that's what you guys are. Did you see the lady, I want to say in British Columbia, that had like a meteor fall through her house and like land, it was like a little space rock, land on the pillow next to her? And she just laid there. Yeah, I mean, she was just like she, it woke her up, like and it like it hit like right next to her head. <laughs> I mean, what do you even do after that? I guess you feel lucky you're alive, but I, I think that's the way I'd want to go. Just a, a, a meteor, or a space rock, just hit me in my sleep. I'd be yeah. the answer to a trivia question. I imagine it wouldn't hurt, and you know, you're just you're dead in your sleep, but not like when you're old. When you're, I do feel like when you get old, a certain age. I don't know. I feel like once you get over seventy, depending on how you know hefty you are, but. Every sleep might be your last, you know what I mean? 
Yeah. My poor granny. Sure. I mean, that's how she went out. Sounds good. The adri- you know, in her early 80s, but I wonder, like, those years before, like, was she going to sleep every night thinking, okay, this could be it. Got to make my peace, say my prayers. And every morning you wake up, you're like, God damn it. Guess it wasn't last night. Guess I got to get up and go eat breakfast now. Take care of these snot-ass grandbabies. Oh, God, there's Jonathan again. His little mean-ass sister, Katie. I'm just kidding. My grandma loved Katie. Way more than she loved me. Yeah, Grandma Frances loved Claire way more than she loved me. I mean, it wasn't even close. I might as well not even have existed. R.I.P. Minnie Ruth, though. Space Rock, right to the dome. There you go, Jacob. Uh, Brother Troy, what what record would we have to finish with? Would get you actually excited for the direction of the program? I, I don't know. I mean, I... You know, hey, look, here's the thing. If you win Saturday night, eight and four is on the table. Yeah, at this point, seven and five would be okay. Because that means you're going to have to beat either Ole Miss or Kentucky. Do we agree that beating either one of them is better than beating Pittsburgh? Yeah. And you can also chalk that one up to, you know, Joe Milton. Yeah. So seven and five would have me pretty excited. Or at least, like, confident in the direction of the program. Because, like, we'll have had good quarterback play. The offense will have looked good. And, you know, I'll have some confidence that we land some guys in the transfer portal. I know I said a couple weeks ago I didn't really want to build that way. But, you know, if we can get a bunch of Hendon Hookers at Javante Payton's, I might change my mind. And whatever the hell that guy's name is from USC, I see him making plays. Tremblay. Brother Will Warren, a.k.a. Wife Was With Guy Friends. What is the what is the most important non-conference basketball game? I bought my tickets today, by the way, to uh, the Kentucky game. Very cool. They had some single-game tickets. I got there too late, or they only had upper levels, but they were only $25. So I was like, I guess I'll go ahead and get them. Pretty good, pretty good deal. Yeah, I was like, I'll, I'll probably want to go to that game, or at least I can you know, give them away to somebody. Or I'd feel stupid for not buying them for $25, you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. agree. Pretty good deal. Um, I I mean, I guess the easy answer is Memphis, but the Villanova game, I mean, that's like a really a top-flight program. You know, if you beat them. Uh, Texas? We play Texas, right, this year, right? I'd like we to play Texas at Texas. We play Texas at Texas in January. That'd be a big win. That'd be a big win. Um, the Villanova game would be huge um, because we do play Villanova, right? I think we have to win a game. Or they, they, they play North Carolina, we play – Wait, is that right? No, we play Villanova, and then like they're playing what Purdue versus North Carolina, and then we get the winner of that. Is that right? Okay, okay. So we do play Villanova. We play, yeah, we play Villanova November twentieth. Okay. So I mean, Villanova that would be like a really a top five. Yeah, we we play Villanova November twentieth. And then yeah, we get the winner of winner of Purdue and North Carolina if we win that game, and we get the loser obviously if we lose. But we're not going to lose. So um, I don't know if I can say those are more important than Memphis because I do think Memphis will be a top fifteen team when we play them. Yeah. You're probably going to go head-to-head recruiting-wise with Memphis more than you are Villanova. Yeah, Memphis is definitely the easiest answer. I was just trying to think of some others that just not take the easy way out. But, yeah, I mean, I think... Sometimes the obvious answer is the right answer, Seth. Like, I'm choosing Memphis if I have to have a win. I would probably pick Texas. Okay. I just want to lose to them in baseball and basketball. Especially when they're, Follow up. Especially when they're coming to the SEC. Yeah. 
And I would feel bad for Rick if he went there and got beat. It'd mean a lot to him. It would. It would. But also, I don't want to lose to Penny Hardaway either, but Texas right now is a top five team. Is Georgia-Iowa the most unwatchable 1-2 AP poll combo in modern history? No, no, there was a... But USF was ranked second one time. Rutgers was ranked second one time. Was, that, like, like, was Kansas ranked number one at that time? Because Kansas, like, wasn't Kansas number one in the country that year? Or at least Missouri was, one of those was. I don't know if it was the same time, but South Florida was number two. So whoever was number one at that point, that was the most unwatchable. Yeah. Now, I do think that, like, Georgia would beat the fuck out of Iowa. I do like Iowa, though. But Georgia just does what they do, you know, a hundred times better, which is going to be Kentucky's problem this weekend. So that year when USF USF was second in the BCS poll, yeah, yeah. Ohio State was one, USF was two, Boston College was three, South Carolina was six, Kentucky seven, Arizona State eight. USF got screwed when they went to Rutgers. Greg Schiano knocked them off. They got away with a fake. They got away with it. They called fair catch and then kept running, and the refs didn't blow it dead, and they scored a touchdown. Oh, Jim Levitt. Big Jim Levitt. But, yeah, Georgia I was pretty bad. Pretty pretty hard to watch. All right, next question. Brother Parker would like to ask, what Discord member are you most upset about not attending? I was actually looking forward to seeing Parker, honestly. He's not going to make it. Yeah, mine is Zach. My mother is really sad that Cote is not going to be there. Yeah, that disappointed me as well. I'm most sad about Zach not being there. You know, I know he's got a lot going on, and you know, but he could still stop by and see me, but he's choosing not to. So, Zach, and then after that, Troy, I am upset that Brother Troy will not be there because whenever you see Troy, it's going to be a good day. It's true. I have a, I have a very high success rate of seeing Troy and having a good day, whether it was at basketball whether he was wingmanning for me at the bars, he is uh, he, he's solid. He's solid. Troy's a good man, so I'm upset about Troy. Honestly, I, I wish everybody could be there. I don't want to like forget anybody. That's true. I wish we could have 150 people there. I do too. Just to see how much it would make you sweat. <laughs> so many people are going to come up and ask you for pictures. Yeah, no, no pictures, guys. Do you, remember at the, do you remember the Florida game when someone asked you for your autograph on a receipt? I, I do. I think it was Reese or Big John one. I don't think it was either one of them. I thought it was one of them. No, no. Big John came up to me and shook my hand and told me he was he was happy to finally meet me. That's what it was. That, that was I, Big John. What, what, a, what a drive-by for both of them. Reese is going to be so mad. And well, it was like a joke. It was like a joke they were doing. It wasn't on purpose. They were being so, serious. It was because someone else had come up and actually done that. They were going to ask you to, like, Get some type. It was like a Trump poster signed or something. They want you. To I wasn't sign saying. I wasn't. It wasn't a drive by. I know Reese has severe anger management issues and gets mad at the slightest possible, you know, slight to him. That's not. It was. It was funny. It was. A, it was a funny memory. I have, very, I have great memories of Reese at tailgates. I wish everyone was going to be there. I wish everyone was going to be there. I love all our patrons. I do too. Mostly do. the ten dollar and up range, but the the five and two dollars are cool too. I appreciate them as well. Brother Cote, will Marwan, aka the Palestinian Playboy, aka Wheezy, show up to the tailgate for more than thirty minutes this time? No, he's not showing up for any minutes. 
sad. It's because of COVID. He doesn't want to, you know, he's still, he's still in that COVID mindset. You know, so he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to be around us. He said he'd have to be masked and, you know, double masked and double gloved. And so he's not going to be there. It's sad. But we, we appreciate him for taking it seriously. Hashtag Corona Watch. We do. Brother Richmond325. Will Brother Seth. R.I.P. Carleos. Will Brother Seth be cheering on the Braves since his Cardinals are not in the postseason? Yes, I was cheering for the Braves last night. I love big Freddie Freeman. I want the Braves to win because it makes my dad happy. And it makes my fellow brothers in the Discord happy. And I love Freddie Freeman. Wait, your dad's a Braves fan? Huge, massive Braves fan. Watches every damn game. I watch tons of Braves games every year because I watch them with him. And you don't root for the Braves? How the hell no. are the Cardinals your favorite team? I thought your dad was a Because of Luke! Fan. No! I'm a Cardinals fan because of Luke! That is That's it. some... Look, I'll do respect to best friend Luke. That is some shameful behavior, Seth. I've never claimed otherwise! That is as shameful as it gets. Your dad, who you love, who you talk about in here all the time, is a big Braves fan. And I would imagine it, it brought you a lot of happiness when the Cardinals beat them in Game 5 when they scored 10 runs in the first inning. I, I, I acted calm because I was watching it with him. You, yeah, that doesn't matter if you acted calm. He knew that you were over there laughing at him, snickering at him. But I'm happy for him. Wow, so you chose best friend Luke over your dad who you grew up with and I assume watched a lot of base, Braves baseball games with growing up. You chose... Yeah. Okay. That's that's as shameful as it gets. That's actually pitiful. That's pathetic. Everything I know about you and your family and how much you care about family to turn your back on, on your dad's favorite baseball team, that, that's shameful behavior. My entire family's at the beach this week and I didn't go because... Of the tailgate because Josh Heupel is flopping it out. It's because you wanted to go to the game. Don't it's not the tailgate on national TV. I couldn't miss the tailgate, bro. If, if they would have been in Hawaii, you'd have gone there. I guarantee you. Well, that. that's a little different. That's a little different. That's a little different. Hawaii, Aruba, those places are a little different. This is this is a beach in the in the in the lower forty-eight. Okay, just somewhere down in Alabama, a couple hours away. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a little different. It's a little different. That's shameful behavior. I think they might be at Dustin. Actually, I don't know. I don't know where they're at. I don't know where the hell they're at. I just know. I just know. I had a date with my brothers this weekend for 7 p.m. Eastern time. I think that's what time kickoff is. It might be 7:30 Eastern. He chose Luke over his dad again. And my sister's birthday. It's my sister's birthday Friday night. But I can't miss the tailgate. Your chili is boiling. My chili is scalding damn hot. You couldn't miss Josh Heupel flopping it out on Lane. My hands were tied. I told I told my sister, my hands are tied. My hands are tied. It's Josh Heupel season. How'd she take it? She was not happy Monday night. But my hands are tied, John. This I didn't have a choice. Did you blame it on me? Absolutely not. No. Are you telling me the truth? If I ask, yes, her, I promise. I, I promise. I did not blame it on you. I said, look, we do one tailgate a year. You did for all blame these it on people. me. John's gonna be so mad at me if I'm not there. No, I said, I, I have to go. I said, I have to go, Bug. I have to go. My hands are tied. It's Josh Heupel season. You blame me 100%. We got Hendon damn hooker slinging the rock. I did not. I promise. I did not. I can see the little shit-eating grin on your face. <laughs> I thought my mom had already told her. I thought my mom would have my back because my mom always has my back. She's had my back for 30 years. But no, she didn't have my back in this one. That's shameful behavior. But it's Josh Heupel season. It's Heupel season. 
Brother OG Matt, who will be the worst dressed discorder at the tailgate, and what will they wear? Brother Jonas asks, also, who will be the best? My best dressed t- uh, discorder at the tailgate. I don't know. I don't know who will be the worst or best dressed. I love all my, I love all my, my patrons. I love all my flock. BJ will be the best. He probably will be the best dressed. You know, if Zach was going to be there, he would undoubtedly be the worst damn dressed person there because he would wear the most obnoxious tennis shoes in human history. But alas, he's not going to be there, so he won't be the worst dressed. I'm sure Hank... He was probably scared to bring his head of hair around your head of hair. I mean, we, we both are beautiful people. His looks good, too. I mean, Hank will undoubtedly have something stupid on at the game, but I mean... We come to expect that. Matt Brad Kyle is also nicely dressed. Well, is always nicely dressed. I imagine he will be nicely. He will be looking nice. He'll be looking nice. He's a handsome man. He always just has a t-shirt on. But I think you're he's just. A, he, I think you're confusing him for uh, being nicely dressed and just being handsome. Yeah, I think so too. I think he's yeah. just always in a t-shirt. But he's a handsome guy, so you know. Are you in orange or uh, orange and white? Which which color are you going to be wearing? I'm in white, but I will be wearing my new gray Cutter and Buck UT polo. At least gray is close enough to white, I guess. It has white stripes on it. It's gray and white stripes. Okay. Oh, remind me. I got your... Uh, yeah, okay. Anyways. Any other questions? Brother Zach, a.k.a. Benedict Arnold. Who wins in a d- debate between Arian Foster and Kyrie Irving? The news coming out that uh, basically it seems like the Nets are done with Kyrie. They're not offering him an extension. He was eligible to get a bunch of money this offseason. They're not offering him that. It could have been over $200 million. He said, you know what, I'll even give you $16 million back. Just give me one hundred eighty-six. And they said, nope, not doing it. They're not letting him play this year. Arian Foster was apparently, I guess, talking shit to Tennessee players on their macro dosing podcast. Yeah. I do feel like Kyrie Irving is smarter than Arian Foster. You do? Yeah, yeah. Like, I'll go with Kyrie over Foster. Okay. I, I've never really, like, listened to much of Kyrie Irving. Um, Arian Foster just comes across as somebody trying way too hard. And that's not good in a debate, though. If you're trying to have a debate, you, you, you can't... Try too hard. I think Kyrie maybe is a little, you know, he's definitely a fake scholar. But I do feel like he uh, has stronger feelings and stronger takes. What the hell is Aaron Foster going to debate about? His whole gimmick is, I don't care about anything, bro. Yeah. Nothing matters. At least Kyrie has yeah. like stands for something. What does, yeah, what does uh, Foster yeah. stand for? I don't know. Besides being Australian for beer. That's true. Give me Kyrie. And give me Kyrie. Looks like we're on the same page. And uh, Brother KT, remember when we called Milton the pharmacist? I do. Those were some good times on the podcast. He's still the pharmacist. He's just the backup pharmacist. I mean, he still can sling the pill. No one's throwing it further than him. He can throw the ball. I mean, he throws it to Alcoa when he's in Neyland Stadium. Like, I mean, he can throw it a mile. Look, arm strength doesn't always equal success. I don't know if you've seen... What's going on in the NFL, buddy? But uh, Patrick Mahomes, he can sling the pill, and he's not having a very good year either. He's got less 20-yard plays down the field than, like, Jared Goff. 
that's not good because Jared Goff throws the ball three yards down the field on average. Sometimes the big arm doesn't do it for you. Sometimes the big arm doesn't do it for you. Give me the ho- Captain Hook. But with all due respect to uh, Joe Milton, the pharmacist, I'm sure he's really helping Hooker get a grip of the get a grasp of the playbook and helping him put in the extra work, like a That's like true. a true leader. All right, Seth. I can't wait to see you on Saturday. I love you. You are my brother. I, hope I can't wait to give to, you a big old hug. I hope we get to celebrate. I do too. I can't wait to give you a hug and a kiss. I can't wait to give some of the patrons hugs. Remember, no pictures. Absolutely zero pictures. Um, you're you're going to take a picture. Yeah, a picture with all of us, yes, sure. If you're unsure about whether or not you can hug me, then just don't. But if you're like Will Warren or AJ, then yeah, you can hug me. Um, Hank needs to stay 15 feet away from me at all times. But yeah, I love you all and I can't wait to see y'all. All right, let's get this win. See ya. Later.